welcome to the latest First Voice Monthly Roundup podcast brought to you by First Voice Magazine, the official flagship magazine of the Federation of Small Businesses and the go-to podcast for news, tips and important information for small businesses and the self-employed. This episode is our February Small Business Roundup in which we'll take a look back at some of the important issues you need to be aware of from the past few weeks and a quick look at anything important on the radar in the coming weeks. Uh, To help me do that, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by FSB's Matt Dickinson, who will help us unravel the important current issues facing you and your small business. Matt, good to have you here. Hi, John. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, you're welcome. Um, Obviously, the the small business space is moving fast uh, and there have been a few big developments in the past month or so. So let's um, get straight into those. Uh, one of the things that, that's really grown in importance throughout the pandemic um, has been keeping an eye on business confidence. Uh, and I believe FSB has just released uh, the latest results of the FSB Small Business Index. Uh, what were the key findings of that, Matt? And what's the, what's the mood among businesses? Well, it's a bit of a mixed picture, um, if I'm honest, John. So, I mean, on the, on the kind of downsides, Confidence as a whole amongst small businesses in the UK has hit a one-year low. It's back into negative territory. And actually what we saw throughout the course of last year was a general ebbing away of confidence. I think we all felt a few false dawns where the pandemic was concerned, kind of moments where we thought it was things were finally looking a lot better and the, the virus was on the retreat. And then a few moments where we had unexpected introduction of restrictions when we when we weren't necessarily anticipating them. So steady fall in confidence over last year, one year low um, towards Christmas when we had another disrupted festive trading season and the news that the government is planning, planning this very damaging national insurance contributions increase for both employers, employees and sole traders. Um, so as a whole, confidence down. Big issues that came out, late payments, increasingly an issue over the pandemic. I mean, it's long been a campaigning priority for us, trying to get our members' invoices paid on time. We have a really awful endemic late payment, poor payment culture right across the UK that destroys a lot of businesses in the end because corporates just won't pay on time. That's, that's worsened over lockdown. Um, so we now have about, we estimate, 400,000 businesses that are being threatened by that one issue alone. Um, so about one in 10 of our members saying um, that it's, it's grown as an issue and is now, is now threatening their, the viability of their business. Elsewhere, exporters still struggling with more and more admin requirements being laid at their door. Um, costs in the round going up, inputs, utilities, inflationary pressure really making it difficult for businesses and access to finance really dropping off. I mean, we had the very important and successful emergency loan schemes over lockdowns. Those have now come to an end and we're seeing record lows um, among our members in terms of applications and approvals, which is a real concern because the emergency loans can't be seen as done. You know, we have new businesses starting in this country every single day. They need finance to grow, invest, expand. So that's that's a concerning one. On the flip side, on the more positive side, 
We do now have more than half of our members saying they're planning to expand over the coming years. They have that intention to grow their business. And that's recovered really to a pre-pandemic level. It's very, very similar level, just over half that we saw in the same period in 2019 um, before trading restrictions had come in. Um, and on the hiring side, which I think we're, we're going to get onto, on the hiring side, we've got about one in five um, of the members saying they're planning to increase headcounts. So appetite for hiring, appetite for growth. We now just need the government to deliver us some more pro small business policies and think again about this national insurance element. Yes, um, a, a number of those issues related to, to COVID, as you would expect. You touched on the issue of hiring there. Um, you know, another big topic we've been hearing a lot about in recent months is that of staff shortages and firms having problems recruiting. Um, what, what, what's the picture there for small businesses at the moment? Well, in terms of what we found from the, the small business index that we've just published, we've got about a third of the membership saying that skills shortages are a significant barrier to their growth ambitions, um, which is very high. It hit an all-time high over the autumn um, and remains a really pressing issue. But I mean, it's important to stress that that's not way off the level that we saw pre-pandemic. This is a really long-standing issues, skills, shortages within the UK. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the picture in the round, we have more than a million vacancies out there currently, and about half of them are in health and social care, retail and activities linked to retail, and the accommodation and food, what the government calls the accommodation and food sector. So, leisure, hospitality, um, businesses. Um, so, I mean, in terms of what, what's driving this trend, over the pandemic, a lot of people reassessing their situation, moving industries, um, starting up their own businesses, becoming self-employed. There's been quite a lot of movement within the labour market, which has left shortages in those, particularly in those, those areas I mentioned. Younger people, perhaps more reluctant to join the workforce because there are fewer opportunities, so they're staying in education. Older workers um, thinking more about retirement and maybe retiring early or, or doing less work than they had perhaps planned because the, the pandemic had, had had an impact in their industry. Um, you know, elsewhere, since, um, since we left the European Union, the best estimates put the drop in the EU workforce here, they put the drop at about 200,000 people that are no longer in the workforce that were there before in terms of providing skills from across the EU. Um, and we, we now have a new immigration system, which, I mean, it's always been challenging for smaller businesses to recruit um, beyond the EU historically in terms of the points-based element. It's expensive. It's administratively quite challenging if you're a smaller business rather than a big one. Um, and with this new system where that's applying across the piece, that challenge is, is much more present if you're looking to recruit from overseas. So, I mean, in terms of, what can be done? I mean, the government this week has, has announced that it's trying to do more to mobilise people who are engaged with their job centre, so encouraging them to look beyond the sectors that they're currently interested in to maybe branch out more and try something new. Um, there's also been some, some quite successful targeted interventions that we've called for, particularly in social care. There's now a health and social care 
visa that's been expanded quite significantly, which is really more of a fast track for um, care homes who are really struggling to recruit the right people from the domestic market. They have more of a fast track now through that new immigration system to, to bring people on who are from overseas. Similarly, and that's, you know, that's something we, we called for, we've been calling for, for for a while now, and that's, that's now been delivered. Similarly, on the, I think we, we all heard a lot, particularly on up into Christmas, about shortages of heavy goods vehicle drivers. Again, we had some engagement with the government and they've, they've launched a package which has really kind of honed in on fast tracking training to be a, an HGV driver, testing capacity to get those qualifications through. And um, we've seen this in also in teaching, um, but a similar initiative within HGV, the HGV industry, where the government has been encouraging those who already have qualifications, who have retired or moved to, to other sectors to maybe reconsider coming back into um, the HGV industry. Um, but I think there's, there's a much bigger, because as I say, you know, this is, a long, this is a long-standing issue. There's a much bigger question about how do we secure more of a, a talent pipeline and, and how do we get vocational education and skills qualifications on a par with academics? You know, it's, it's not something we're particularly good at in this country. Um, and also on the policy side, so take apprenticeships, um, there's always been challenges about, you know, making them appeal um, perhaps to, to young people who are set on going to university. But the government also introduced um, an apprenticeship levy system where big businesses have to kind of pay into a big pool, which is then supposedly shared right across employers, which enables them to take on apprentices. It hasn't been very successful. Um, so to put it into context, before that levy system was launched, we had about a million starts a year in terms of apprenticeships, and that's now more like seven hundred thousand. So it's it's dropped by about a third. So we're we're speaking to government. We'd we'd like to see that system reformed. How do we get that money out to um, to those businesses who can really create opportunities? We now have T levels in the UK launched up and running, which are a new vocational alternative to. Um, in the higher education space for um, those that are at GCSE level. So we're hoping that that will help. Um, and it's important that within that, there's, there's a more practical element and we're, we're keen for that practical element to invo involve small businesses. So that's um, an ongoing conversation. But I think there's also a, a question about perception. You know, how do we, how do we remove some of the biases within what you do at, higher education level um so you know if you're a young person you you go to work in a bar um you know that that can straight from school you know that can be a path into something much greater you know you start managing people within that context ultimately you start managing the whole bar and then with time you're learning the ropes to the point where you can you can launch your own outfit you become a small business owner hopefully become a member of ours and we equip you with with what you need to go on and, and, you know, for your, your full potential in that industry. So a lot of challenges there kind of past and present. And as I say, we're, we're working across the piece to see how we can improve the situation. Yeah, it's a really complex area. Thanks for, for, for picking it apart for us, uh, Matt. Um, January marked the, the one-year anniversary of the, the Good Business Charter, which um, you know, was launched to help small firms stand out from the crowd a bit and lead the way 
on issues from sort of ethical employment practices and, and prompt payments, which you mentioned uh, continue to be a problem across the small business sector. Um, one year on, how's that going? How have signups been? Yeah, it's it's been good. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Good Business Charter was originally launched by Julian Richer of Richer Sounds. He built up that home entertainment chain, turned it into an employee ownership trust, um, and has always been a real advocate for sustainable and ethical business. So yeah, originally launched as more of a big business initiative. We worked with the Good Business Charter to um, bring about a version that our members could be a part of. Um, and yeah, after, after it's, after year one GBC, they had about a hundred or so signatories since we partnered with good business charter, we're now closing in on about a thousand. So really, really massive growth. Um, and if you're a member of ours, you can, you can be a part of that for free if you apply before the end of March. Um, so do do look out for that. If you search Good Business Charter, you'll find it. Um, and there are kind of 10 components that you have to, to sign up to. And then you get that stamp to say you're part of the charter, um, which is brilliant because it's, it's not only the right thing to do, but it's great for business as well. Because as we all know, people buy from people and we all want to buy from businesses that are doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned that's a, a partnership and it was launched through Richard Sounds um, or the founder of Richard Sounds. Um, how important are those partnerships? How are they helping FSB sort of widen the offering for small businesses? Are they, they integral to the future? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, they're, they're really fundamental to um, what we do, both on the member support side and on the advocacy and campaigning side. I mean, on the support sides, we have partnerships um, on the legal front in terms of our the legal helpline that we offer, particularly, which is open to members um, all day, every day, um, if they need to phone up and they, they need support with anything in that area. On the late payment side, we, we have a partnership where we can help get your invoices paid more quickly. Um, on the access to finance side, we have a, a few different partnerships where we can help you with banking as well as accessing credit and different types of finance. So yeah, a lot on the on the direct member support side. And then on the advocacy side, it's it's absolutely integral. You know, in the past we've worked with the likes of the charity mind around the well-being space and supporting members and their staff with improving mental wealth, mental well-being in the in the workplace. Um, which is another one that stands out, the consumer group. We have a long-running campaign with them around financial inclusion and particularly around access to cash you know as our bank branches and atms are closing that causes real challenges for town centers um so we're working very closely with them and recently launched a cash pledge with them which um i'd encourage anyone who thinks is of interest to have a look at um where you can um kind of commit to making sure you're Customers can use cash if that's if that's their preferred payment method. So yeah, it's in, it's integral and um, the good business charter. Yeah, is, is just a fantastic one. It's it's grown so quickly, and yeah, all, all of the members I've I've spoken to about it have have got a lot out of it. As I say, both in terms of improving their their well being at work and improving their appeal to customers as well. 
Terrific. Um, Matt, that's a really good sort of unpicking of the, the big issues that we've seen over the last few weeks. But um, just looking forward slightly, are there any big issues that small businesses need to be particularly aware of or on the lookout for in the coming weeks? Yeah, I mean, so in, in England, we now have restrictions pretty much eased entirely. So it's it's really all hands to the pump to um, kind of really try and get our economic recovery firing on all cylinders after what was another really frustrating festive period. Um, and it's, yeah, on all of us to get out there and, and support our small businesses as much as we can over what is generally a bit of a, a slower period for those on high streets, particularly. On the political side, the, the Chancellor has now said there'll be a spring statement on the 23rd of March. So we'll be working hard in the Westminster office to try and influence that and um, try and get some positives out of that. Um, because as things stand, we've got this kind of flashpoint moment in April where some of the business support linked to the pandemic particularly around business rates and the discount for um, high street operators there is coming to an end. The discounted rate of VAT for leisure and hospitality is ending at that same point. And it's also the same moment when the national living wage will be going up, um, business rates, bills, fresh bills will be landing. And as I mentioned at the outset, and I think you discussed it on the the pod last time, um, this really regressive and damaging national insurance increase that's planned that will hurt lower earners and small businesses the most so yeah we'll we'll keep pushing and um yeah we'll um keep campaigning doing what we can and yeah i mean if you're if you're struggling at this point as i say after a really challenging winter then definitely you know speak to us um speak to your local authority as well your bank your landlord um, there might be some more support out there than you perhaps thought. Yeah, it's a really good message and a, a good one for us to end on. Matt, thanks so much for taking us through the key small business announcements from the past month um, as part of our monthly Small Business Roundup podcast series. That was really helpful. Um, thank you also to our audience for listening. Uh, while I have your attention, I'd just like to remind you that you can subscribe to the First Voice podcast to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues affecting small businesses. And do please also remember that you can find a whole host of additional webinars, podcasts, and other content on the First Voice website at firstvoice.fsb.org.uk. Many thanks for listening.